Good morning. It is good to see everyone. Let me get opened up here and to my spot. Oh, here we go. want to draw your attention to uh, this event that our teens have been putting on, the Heat for the Holidays. This is an opportunity for you uh, to encourage a couple of different people if you want to participate. And the way you participate is there's a display right out here in the, in the foyer, the lobby area, with cards on it that you can purchase for $2. And then you get that card, and you take that card, and you write a note in it, and then you take the envelope, and we'll get to that in a second. You, you put the name of the person you're going to send it to and drop it in the bucket that's uh, outside the glass doors here, the front entrance, and then that'll be collected, uh, and we, the teens will deliver that. Uh, but there's a couple of things that you need to make sure that you do. One thing is you need to make sure you have an order form that goes with that card. If you don't, that's okay. But on that order form, be sure you put your name and put your phone number and put your email. In case there is a question, we have somebody that we can contact and say, we see you bought this card and you need it delivered to so-and-so. Is that correct? You also want to make sure you put the number of cards uh, that you have ordered. And then you can take this order form and, and use a rubber band or something and put, her, put it around the cards that you have uh, filled out. Make sure you put your own note in there or else it will be a blank card that you're sending. Uh, on the envelope, make sure in case we lose this order form, make sure you put your name and return address and then put the name of the person you're sending it to and their address. In case we lose this order form, we know where it is that we need to go. So the, the purpose of this is to provide an opportunity uh, for you to send a card to somebody else in the congregation just to say, we love you, we miss you, or whatever it is that, that you want to put in that card, just a note of encouragement. And then when we assemble these cards, we're going to add a, a flower to it and also a candy cane and deliver those. But you're also going to, the money is going to go to our missionaries in the Ukraine. This is Brandon and Katie Price. Uh, they are missionaries and have been serving there for a number of years in, U in Ukraine. And Brandon is also the director of the uh, Ukraine Bible Institute. I think I'm getting that right. Uh, the Bible Institute there in Ukraine. But they're going to take this money and in turn turn around and, and give it to the students there in the Bible Institute. Um, and the way that's going to work, they're not just going to give it to them, but they're going to use that money to help the students in the Bible Institute offset the cost of their heating bills for the winter months. Now, if you don't know this, the heating bills for Ukraine during this time of year can run, for various reasons, can run three to $500 a month, uh, depending on temperature and price of heating oil and all that stuff. So we want to uh, make sure, I didn't put all the pictures of the students on there. Their pictures are, on, are in the display out here in the foyer. And what's cool is that they have also put a little paragraph about themselves. Uh, I'm not even going to try and say their names. I'm going to honor them by not trying to say their names. Uh, but they put a little, a little blurb about themselves to say, this is who I am, this is how old I am, this is how long I've been a Christian, and this is why I am at the Bible Institute. Uh, some of the men are saying, we're going to go on the preach. Others uh, have said, I just want to know more about the Bible and more about God and just deepen my knowledge of that so I can serve in the Lord's church which is really, really neat. So you have an opportunity to encourage the brothers and sisters here in, in the congregation, but also brothers and sisters all the way across the world in Ukraine. 
get off the side of the road. I don't know if you have ever heard that phrase used for you. If you grew up out in the country, you might have heard this phrase. I grew up out in the country, me and my brothers did, and uh, our, our escapades took us all over the countryside, oftentimes along the side of the road. And, and we would be walking or playing, and, and uh, out in the country, you know, you have all these farm-to-market roads, which uh, the, the, the shoulder of the road there out in the country, you don't, you don't have this space. That's, that's like a, that's a bonus if you're out in the country. Um, but, but if a car is coming, somebody would say, get off the side of the road because you don't want to get hit by a car or a truck or uh, one of the farm trucks that are carrying grain. That would be awful. Um, and so or when we would be out walking with my mom, I, I'd say that like we did that as a favor to my mom. We wanted to spend time with her. She was actually making us walk so we could burn off energy as young boys. Um, but she would say, you know, get off the side of the road whenever a car was coming because we, we wouldn't want to get hit. A number of years ago, uh, I say a number of years, probably three, year, four years ago, we were out at a, at a family's house um, play, uh, with a teen group down in Mississippi, and we got the bright idea that we would play hide-and-seek. Um, don't get ahead of me. Y'all don't know the story yet. All of you are like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> Man, let me tell my story. But we, and, and they lived on a busy road out in the country on a, on a two-acre lot, and they had neighbors on either side of them. And, and there in Mississippi, what would often happen would be they would clear off the lot and wouldn't leave any trees. And so it was a large lot, and you can kind of imagine using this picture right here uh, with the side of the road and the house is off back over here, and there's nothing around it. So we decided that we would play hide-and-seek. The, the game was, each game went really, really fast because there's no place to hide. Um, unless you ran around the house over and over again. And so I got the bright idea, and it wasn't this picture here, uh, but I got the bright idea that I would hide in the ditch. Yeah, Don't get ahead of me now. Everyone's like, oh, no. Uh, but but I, I hid in the, in the ditch, and, uh, and I was hiding face down in the ditch next to the road. And, and, and I, as I'm hiding there, I'm hearing the teens up by the house. They're running around, and they're finding everybody but they can't find me because I'm hiding in the ditch. And they're still looking for me, and I'm hearing the cars zipping by, you know, then and on and on. And pretty soon those cars, they start, they slow down, and then they take off again. I'm thinking, okay. Uh, and it's getting dark, and I'm hearing these cars slow down, and I'm thinking it's probably not the best idea to be hiding in the ditch. And, and after a few minutes, I hear this car pull up and stop. And I'm thinking, okay, this, somebody stopped to check on me, make sure I'm okay. And I, and I lifted my head just enough so I could, like, see out of my peripheral vision, and I see flashing lights. <laughs> yeah, they're blue lights. And, and I, I immediately realized there is a police officer uh, that is here. And I stand up really quick, and I turn around. And right when I do this, it was a sheriff's deputy. He goes like this. And I'm th immediately, I, I'm, my arms are up. And, I'm, and I start saying, I'm playing hide-and-seek. I am playing hide-and-seek. And, and, the, and the sheriff's deputy is like, what? I said, sir, I'm playing hide-and-seek. I'm a youth minister of one of the local congregations. The, the teens were playing hide-and-seek. We're at this house. And I look up, and there's nobody to be found. <laughs> and, and it's like, I could just see the look on his face. And he relaxes, and he, he said, okay, you're playing hide-and-seek. Yes, sir. And you're hiding in the ditch by the side of the road. 
yes, sir, and you found me. Uh, and he said, you know, we're getting phone calls into the sheriff's department that there's a body by the side of the road. And he said, it's probably not a good idea to be hiding by the side of the road. You need to get off the side of the road. And I said, yes, sir, I, I will do that. I won't hide in the ditch anymore. Uh, and, and we part ways. And I go up, and all the teens and their parents are behind the house hiding because they're thinking, I'm going to get arrested, which didn't happen. What was really funny is that one of our teens, uh, their dad was uh, a lieutenant in the sheriff's department there. And so that was an interesting conversation a, a week or so later. But get off the side of the road. I want you to keep that in your mind as we work through the passage that Connor read for us this morning. Now, when you just read through this and do a cursory reading of this passage, you might think, well, this is a great story. And it is. Uh, Jesus heals a blind man. But when you start to dig into this passage, there is a richness that really begins to, to come to the surface and a depth uh, when we start to understand what is happening here. First and foremost, they came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. Now, when we start here, Jesus is leaving the city of Jericho. And you may think, well, why is he leaving the city of Jericho? He's leaving the city of Jericho. If you look at chapter 11, just at the, the title heading of chapter 11, you'll see the title heading. Depending on what version you have, it'll say the triumphal entry. And so Jesus is leaving Jericho, heading to Jerusalem. And this, quite possibly, at this time, it's a week, maybe two weeks before he is crucified. And so he is on his way down, down to Jerusalem to go through that last week of his life and prepare his apostles and disciples and everything for what's to come. And it's important to note who Jesus has with him. First, he has his disciples. His disciples are with him, following him, following him along the road. And then there's also a large crowd. Now in the book of Mark, there is a, a theme that runs through the book of Mark, a, a theme of insiders and outsiders. And so those people that are closest to Jesus, mainly his disciples and those that are, are constantly around him throughout the book of Mark, are known as the outsiders, or the insiders, excuse me. And then those people that are on the outside, maybe the large crowd here that's following Jesus, why are they following Jesus? Maybe they want to see uh, a miracle happen. Maybe they want to see Jesus heal somebody. But it's a large crowd and quite possibly they could be considered outsiders because they're not really following Jesus to follow Jesus for who Jesus is. And they're just wanting to see something cool happen. Maybe there's some within the large crowd that could be insiders, could be disciples of Jesus. But there's also another outsider here that's sitting by the side of the road begging, and that's Bartimaeus. Now the interesting thing about Bartimaeus is that he is definitely an outsider. He's not even on the road, and he's not even on the road with the crowd or with the disciples. He's on the side of the road, and he's blind, and he's begging. More than likely, this is Bartimaeus who is marginalized. He's an outcast, and he's on the side of the road because he is begging for his life each and every day. He's got to do something to survive. 
whether that is somebody giving him money so that he can go and purchase food for the day or somebody that is giving him food so that he has a meal for the day. Whatever it is, we know that Bartimaeus is an outsider and he is on the side of the road. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Now Bartimaeus, he's on the side of the road and he hears that it's Jesus that's coming by. And he refers to Jesus with, with a title, and that's, that's Son of David. Not only does he refer to him that once, but he refers to Jesus as Son of David twice. Now you may be thinking, well, that's, that's you know, he just... Just another title that Jesus has in the Gospels. But when we dig into this, this title, and especially when it comes to Jews, and they apply that to somebody, what they are saying, this is the Messiah. And that comes from 2 Samuel. If you'll turn over to 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 7. In verse 11, about the midway through verse 11 is where we'll pick up. And you'll see that this is a prophecy of the Messiah or the one to come. And this is the title, the son of David, that Bartimaeus is using in reference to Jesus. The Lord declares to you that the Lord Himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you. Who will come from your own body? And I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with the rod of men, with floggings inflicted by men. But my love will never be taken away from him, as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from, your, from before you. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. Now when you read through that passage and you see the different things, and you, you have that passage as a backdrop to what's happening here, and you know that Jesus is in the last week or two of his life, that passage has much more meaning from 2 Samuel. But then when you have a person on the side of the road referring to Jesus as Son of David, there's a depth there and a richness that comes out because it's Bartimaeus who is referring to Jesus as the Messiah, the one who is going to establish the throne of David forever and ever. And Jesus stopped and said, call on him. One of the things I want you to see, it, verse 48, many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. We're going to come back to that in a second. But, but the crowd or even the disciples, and, and earlier on in chapter 10, you had the disciples rebuking who? The little children. The little children are wanting to come to Jesus. And they're like, Jesus doesn't have time for this. Here on the road, they're rebuking Bartimaeus. And they're saying, yeah, Jesus, does, he's got places to be and people to see. And we'll come back to that in a second. But he yells out, Bartimaeus yells out so much that Jesus stopped and said, and quite literally, he stood still. And he said, call him. 
And so, so they called to the blind man, and this is funny to me. At first, they're like, be quiet, and then they're, and that's a, it's an about face. Cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. And throwing off his cloak, or throwing his cloak aside, Bartimaeus jumps to his feet, and he came to Jesus. Now capture what Jesus says to him. Because Bartimaeus doesn't come up to Jesus, and Jesus isn't like, what do you want? I'm tired, I'm wore out. I've got to go. What, what is it that you need? Be quick about it. He doesn't do that at all. Capture what Jesus says. What do you want me to do for you? You see, in that question, what Jesus has done, not only has He stood still, but He has stopped and recognized the existence of Bartimaeus. And He has um, given credibility to that. He has given value to Bartimaeus. He doesn't just say, well, what do you want me to do? Hurry up! Quick! No. What do you want me to do for you? Now, I've used this passage a number of times with teens, and I always ask the question, if Jesus were to ask you, what, what do you want me to do for you? What would you ask for? I mean, honestly, what, what would you ask for? million dollars, nice boat, something extraordinary that you don't have that you've always wanted. Bartimaeus asks for something that everybody else has. He asks to be ordinary. He said, Rabbi, I want to see. Kind of humbling, for me at least, when I consider that and consider it in those terms that Bartimaeus is, he's not asking for the world. He's just asking for something pretty simple. Something that I take for granted. But there's another title here that Bartimaeus uses, and that's rabbi. And we know that that term to be teacher, it would be like if you were in school and you were to say, you know, Mrs. Seagraves or, or Mr. Seagraves or Mrs. So-and-so or Mr. So-and-so. And you refer to your teacher with that type of respect or that term of respect. Or you go to the doctor and you say, Dr. So-and-so or Dr. So. It's a term of respect. But this isn't the word that Bartimaeus uses. It's easy to say that word in, in our English uh, translations and to think, well, that's teacher. But really what, Rab, what uh, Bartimaeus uses, he uses the term rabuni, which sounds kind of silly. You know, the blind man said rabuni. You know, it's not, but this term rabuni has a very, very deep meaning. Because if you go back and you look, not that you will, but if you look at all the, all the ancient literature, especially Jewish literature, this term will not be found in just Jewish literature, but instead it will always be found in prayers that are contained in, in Jewish writings. And this term is used uh, in reference to who God is and is only used in reference to to who God is. And this term is, to, is meant as holy one or one that is divine. And so when Bartimaeus, not only does he refer to Jesus as the son of David, as the Messiah, now here the blind man says, Bartimaeus says, Rabuni. He is referring to Jesus as the fact that he is holy. He is 
divine. I want to see. And Jesus recognizes Bartimaeus' faith, and he says, Go, your faith has healed you. Your faith has healed you. There's something here with the word healed that doesn't come across in our English translations. And that word healed uh, is the, the Greek for that is sozo, and, and that has a dual meaning. The first meaning is it's physical healing, which that is what Bartimaeus has received, right? Immediately he received his sight. And so Jesus has said, yeah, okay, I'll heal you. You have received your sight, but your faith has healed you. The other implication is that that is the meaning for spiritual healing. And so not only does Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of David, the Holy One, the Divine One, take care of Bartimaeus' physical needs, He also takes care of Bartimaeus' spiritual needs. Now there's only one person that I know of that can do that. And that's Jesus Christ. He's the only person that can heal somebody physically and heal somebody spiritually. And that's what he does here with Bartimaeus. And we see that because immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. He gets up. He doesn't, you know, Jesus tells him, okay, go ahead and go. You're on your your way. You're, You're taken care of. And Bartimaeus doesn't go home. He doesn't go home and, and, take care of, and, and take care of his stuff at home. No, he gets up immediately. He gets off the side of the road. And he gets on the road. And he begins to follow Jesus. That has huge implications for us. And we can stop right there and say, you know, who, who are you following today? Are you following Jesus? What, where do you spend your most time, or the most of your time? Did I say that right? The most of your time. Is it, is it watching the TV or on, on a, an electronic, an iPad, a tablet, or a, a phone? Do you spend time with Jesus? Where do you spend your time? And that will tell you who you're following. But I want to go back and I want to capture uh, this right here. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. See, it's easy for us to stop and consider uh, Bartimaeus and being on the side of the road or on the road and who, who we're following. But I also think it's important for us to kind of put our, our feet in, in the shoes of the group of people that was rebuking Bartimaeus. Let me illustrate it this way. A sister, one Sunday after her services, went up to the preacher. And she said, Preacher... I've had enough. I'm done. I'm not going to come back to this church anymore. Instead, I'm going to go find a church that I can really worship at. And, and the, the preacher was, was kind of shocked by this and, and said, well, sister, can you tell me more? And she said, sure. You know, I've been coming here my whole life to this church, and it, it, it pains me to know that I'm going to be leaving this church, but I've had enough. I see people sitting in the pews Sunday in and Sunday out, every Sunday and so forth, and they're, they're on their cell phones, 
then they're on social media doing all their stuff, and they're not even paying attention to what's going on. They're not singing. They're not listening to the, the, to the message that God has given to you to share with us, and they're just distracted, and I'm tired of it. And I'm also tired of all the kids that just get up. They're up and down, up and down, up and down, all, all through the service, and they're crying. And why do we even have a training room? It doesn't even get used. Why did we waste our money on that? Parents aren't using that, and it's just a distraction, preacher. And, and not only that, we have brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so. They sit up at the front, and, and they're playing it off like they're praying when they're sleeping and everything. And they're not praying. They're just sleeping. And sometimes they're snoring. And I've just, I've had enough, so I'm going to leave. And the preacher pauses for a moment and thinks, and he, and he says, Sister, before you leave, can you, can you do me a favor? And she said, sure, I, I can do whatever it is you need me to do. And the preacher said, if you would, if you'll go to the kitchen and get a glass of water. And if you'll just fill that glass of water up as full as you can get it without spilling a, a, a drop of water. And then once you've done that, if you'll just walk around the auditorium twice. But the, the goal is you can't spill a single drop of water. So the sister said, sure, I'll do that. And she goes and gets her glass of water, and she's holding it, and she walks around the auditorium once without spilling a drop of water, and she walks around the auditorium twice without spilling a drop of water. And she stops in front of the preacher, and she said, Preacher, I've done, I've done it. I've done what you've asked. Now I'm going to go. And the preacher said, if, if you, Sister, if you don't mind, I just want to ask you one more question. And she said, What is it? He said, When you were walking around the auditorium, did you, did you see anybody on their cell phone? Why, no, I, I, I didn't. I was focused on the, on the glass of water, so I didn't spill anything. Oh, okay. Well, did you, did you notice any kids running around, especially Sunday after church? They are all over the place, and I'm, I'm afraid somebody's going to get knocked over, but they're running everywhere. Did you notice any, any children running around? No, I, 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 was, I was looking at my glass of water that I didn't spill a drop of water. Okay. Well, did you notice anybody sleeping? No, preacher, I was, I was looking at my glass of water. And then the preacher said this, well, that's how it should be every time you come to church. Your focus should be such that it is, you are so focused on Jesus that all the other distractions go away. You see, we, we might be on the side of the road and we need to get off the side of the road. We may be on the road and we might still not be a disciple because we just want to see some neat things happen. Or we might be a disciple. Or we might be this group of people that are rebuking Bartimaeus. And we're getting on to everyone else. And we don't have our focus where our focus needs to be. Either way, we can stop and ask the question, where am I at in this story? And what needs to change for me? If there is anything that we can do for you today, would you come? Sweet are the promises, kind is the word, dearer far than any message man ever heard. Pure was the mind of Christ, endless I see. He the great example is and pattern for me. Sweeter far than any love that mortals have known Kind to the 
tonight we have class and then Wednesday is seven we have class two let's pray you have any